0: all right we got to 20 million users in a month with no advertising budget Whoa. and that's because people like what we built and people tell their friends to use it or they do podcasts and they talk about it you know and so <laughs> like this is entirely a word of mouth type uh success and so yes every single per you, know, when you make that choice to switch you are absolutely helping so i do really want to emphasize that
1: Oh, hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I'm talking to Jeremy Kaufman, who is the CEO and founder of Library, which is also transitioning into the online platform, Odyssey. Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's great to be here with you, Josh.
0: And I hope that at least at some point in the show, when people learn more about what we've been building, that people start listening to this show uh, on Odyssey, uh, which has
1: uh, really become the successor to YouTube. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Actually, I, I I have just like as of last week uh, signed up. I was I was looking for a different platform than YouTube for quite a while, um, and now it's it's more a case of like we're going to try and transition more of like the the promotion all towards Odyssey because you guys don't seem as censorship happy, which is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, we think our policies are are way uh, better than YouTube. Uh, YouTube has really turned its back on what made it great. It's turned it back on, on the kind of independent uh, um, content creator and become much more focused on the kind of corporate content, you know, and they're, they're openly saying this, you know, they're talking about how um, they're uh, boosting quote authoritative sources and lowering uh, in the results, people who are independent creators. So YouTube has become much more this place for, you know, that you want to watch Stephen Colbert clips or Gordon Ramsay clips or this kind of thing, you go to YouTube. But if you want to find the kinds of content that you would have found on YouTube, you know, a decade ago or even five years ago, you you can't really find that kind of thing on on YouTube anymore. And uh, part of what makes Odyssey um, so great as a solution is it do- it is built on top of this uh, technology called uh, Library. LBRY, which is this blockchain-based protocol. It's all open source. And we like to say that it does to to publishing uh, what Bitcoin does to money. And we can drill into all that. But I will say, if you don't care, there's there's some really interesting tech here. If you don't care about the tech, odyssey.com is the easiest way to use it. It's just uh, a better YouTube. um, But part of the reason that it's better gets
1: into some of this, this tech behind it. Yeah, I mean, I don't honestly know how how YouTube ended up in this position where they're considered just like the gold standard of like a video sharing platform. That doesn't seem like an idea that should have such a monopoly on it. Like, how do you think they ended up in this position where they are just like it's just like YouTube, and that's 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 the style of video we describe it as the career. We it's the it's become like the place for for video content.
0: I I think it's something that that happens fairly commonly with these Silicon Valley companies, I think it's typically actually an explicit plan where basically their goal is to corner a market, providing a service where they're losing money, you know, essentially providing a service that's as, as good as possible, with this expectation that once they've cornered a market, they can sort of start to turn the screws. And I think we've seen that in terms of how they've treated a lot of their creators as well as how they're they're treating their users. I mean, to me, it's either that it's either they regard what they're doing as like uh, just pure profit profit ma- maximizing. Uh, you know, it's also possible that there's, you know, sort of some sort of there's an ideological bent to the people who work at YouTube. I think that's possible as as well. But I think a lot of it's just, you know, they feel that they're the, you know, 800 pound gorilla, you're kind of stuck
1: with them and they don't have to care about you as much as maybe they did uh, in the past. Mm, and so they're in that position and now they don't have to, yeah, they don't have to pander anymore. So why don't we go back a little bit before we start getting into all the specifics? Like, what is, what is library? Like, why was it founded? Um, why did you guys see that there was a reason to even try and challenge YouTube's monopoly? And, and yeah, where, where did it all come from? So library is a, an open source uh, blockchain
0: based publishing protocol. That's a complicated sentence. Uh, Another way that we put it is it does to publishing what Bitcoin does to money. And I can get into what that specifically means from a technical sense if you want to. But what's most important is probably to understand the properties. And what that means is you you have a level of control that's unprecedented compared to alternatives. So on the library system, you can truly own your channel. It can't be taken away from you. Um, The network is decentralized. So there's not one point of failure. There's not one point of control and it's all open source. So if we ever become the evil bad guy, you know, which would involve, you know, brainworms taking over me or something like that, but let's <laughs> pretend it happens. You know, the, there's this ability for the community or for anyone in the world to pick it up and build a better version. So we've built all this in a way where we've almost handcuffed ourselves. We've kind of designed the system so that even in that scenario where we, you know, imagine that it was the traditional sort of Silicon Valley startup play of like corner the market and turn the screws that can't happen here because you're not trapped that, that the way that you're sort of locked in to serve to, to the major social media services is literally not possible. In this case, it actually turns it almost a little bit more into something like email. No, that's not the sexiest comparison, but in the sense that, you you can use a different client than i can use and we're still able to interoperate there's not that lock in into you can only you know imagine if email only worked via gmail it would be a much different system than the way that email works uh currently and so we've kind of done that with video publishing where odyssey is the best easiest way to use it uh, but you're not locked into odyssey you can use a decentralized desktop client There's alternate clients that focus on other different types of content and and there's an ability to sort of make different
1: versions of it if people desire. Well, I, I mean, the the decentralized part is is something that a lot of a lot of people have been talking about for quite a while. In in order to like try and take the power out of the hands of just this handful of of well, yeah, Silicon Valley billionaires who who seem to just think that they are you know the arbiters of what we can see and what we're what we as the people you know deserve or, or should see. You know, thankfully we have people looking out for us like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting. I
0: it's because. I, you'll see these people who want the sites to effectively perform more censorship. And I always wonder like these people don't trust Mark Zuckerberg in like any other context, right? We were, we all watched the movie where he's like, you know, this explicitly evil figure who's been like, <laughs> you know, calculating how to take advantage of all of us. And then like people want to turn over control over what they get to see to that person. Now, I think that's a minority, by the way, I want to say that I don't think most people want to do that. I think if you ask most people, Who would you rather make choices for you about what you get to watch? Almost everyone says, well, I would like to decide. I don't want someone else to decide for me. And library is definitely built with that that principle in mind that you, the publisher and the user ought to be able to make the choices and, and the ability for this middleman to control things is kind of diminished, which also reduces the leverage that you know, governments and advertisers and all of these people can even put on us because we don't have the same control that these, com- these other companies have. And that's also why we say that uh, what we built is the successor to YouTube rather than just an alternative. So it's not just, there, while there is this website that's very easy to use, I wanna continue to emphasize that, odyssey.com, very easy to use. It's not just a, a clone. It's not just an alternative. It's something that's genuinely different and has the ability uh, to build something better than what came before.
1: Hmm. So wh- why don't we get a little bit more into like the technical details here of of, of what, it, what it consists of. So when you say for like for a layman coming at this, for someone who's like fairly new to, to say blockchain or, or like decentralized networks, do you want to give us like an understanding of what you mean when you say it's like what it's doing, what publishing did. Uh, what would you say? It did to publishing what Bitcoin did to currency or money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Although I want to continue to emphasize that at this point, I'm like now describing how the car works and you don't need to know how your car works to get in and drive and experience the benefits of, of a car, mm. right? So we have a very, very easy way to use it. You don't have to understand everything that I'm about to say, um, but to, to explain how it works, Um, At the sort of lowest, most level of the library network is a public blockchain. Uh, It's library is its own blockchain. It's not built on top of Ethereum or Bitcoin or something like that. So it's a public blockchain. That public blockchain contains, in addition to account balances, the way that Bitcoin would, uh, it, it contains an identity system. So you can create handles. Those handles can publish content and those content records, but not the content itself are also recorded on that. Blockchain. So we have this system that this blockchain is owned by no one, just like no one owns the Bitcoin blockchain. The blockchain is not owned by us, uh, but anyone can interact with the blockchain and the blockchain becomes this register of digital content that exists. Uh, it includes all the metadata. So that's things like the title, who published it, the description, uh, all these other you know, tags, things like this. Included in that metadata is a pointer to a peer-to-peer network. Um, uh, similar to, um, uh, kind of similar to, to BitTorrent if, if your audience would be familiar with that. Um, but library is not, not the same type of content on library. You're going to find hundreds of thousands, millions, maybe now of, of creators, um, that are interested in, um, in this new kind of economy, uh, that we've built, uh, uh on the library network. And so that's sort of the succinct um, definition of the blockchain is that you've got this public blockchain, which contains all of the records about what's happening. And because it's a public blockchain, it has the same properties as Bitcoin, where your cryptocurrency wallet contains uh, all of your your keys to your channel, everything that you've published, all of the earnings that you've made on the network. It it includes, in our case, all of your settings, uh, all of the all of the other channels that you're following, all of that's included in your cryptocurrency wallet. So that's something that you can take with you. You can use the local decentralized client that we don't have control over. You could port that into some other service that someone else has built. And, there's, and that's part of why you're not locked into using uh, you know, just one way to interact with the, the network. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, all that's complicated. Odyssey.com is the super easy way to use it. And you don't have to understand anything I said. Uh, a lot of people come on and use Odyssey and they don't even realize they're interacting with the blockchain. So if you have this, if you, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we've done, really focused on is a lot of blockchain products are very complex. They feel hard to use.
1: That is not the case with what we've built here. So the reason that I found Odyssey and, and Library as a, as a company while I was sort of looking into alternatives to YouTube, or sorry, successors to YouTube, um, that I, fo- I found the the court case or the, the court filing that you're, you're, you're uh, sort of taking to the SEC over their new regulations of, or their proposed regulations of cryptocurrencies. Um, do you want to explain to people what, what that case is and, and why you, you've decided to fight this?
0: Yeah, well, we've decided to we've decided to fight it because um, we think what the SEC has done is uh, is very unfair. Uh, It's very um, inequitable. There's no allegation of any victim uh, or any kind of fraud uh, or anything like that uh, in terms of what the SEC is alleging. Um, And I also want to emphasize I'll talk about the case, but I also want to emphasize that the case is simply against us as a company. They're not attempting to shut the network down. Um, in fact, the way that library is designed, they can't uh, shut the network down. So there's no risk to anyone's cryptocurrency or anyone's content. There's not even a risk to the future uh, uh, work on the platform. Um, there's essentially the risk is the risk is to the, the, the finances of our company, the cryptocurrency that my company holds, as well as to I think the biggest risk is to cryptocurrency in the United States generally. Um, So the SEC is, in my opinion, and the opinion of of many other people, um, engaging in essentially a a suppression program uh, against cryptocurrencies. Uh, They don't like cryptocurrencies. Their preference would be that cryptocurrencies are not used and developed in the United States. And under the standard they're advancing here, um, basically any cryptocurrency technology that continues to be developed would be a security. Um, so they're, they're saying that if if you develop the technology and you hold some of the token um, the technology is not quote finished um, and this is a, a key part of what makes the token a, a security uh, now I asked the SEC can you name a finished technology um, they didn't answer that question when we were when we were having our interview um, you know so I, I think uh, this is a really disastrous case um, where there's no victim. No one went to the SEC and said something was done wrong. We've uh, people have bought the tokens to use them on the library network, uh, and the SEC is is basically trying uh, trying to shut down cryptocurrency in the U.S. using this case as a as a way to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that really struck me when I was reading through um, some of the stuff and watching a few videos on this before we we did the interview was that they haven't actually informed you of any way in which you can not be breaking the law under their under their definitions that they haven't actually informed you of any way in which you can conduct your business without you, without you, uh, you basically committing what they're calling as as you know like illegal practices or or fraud or or however they they're, they're going to define it like well, not
0: yeah I want to say not fraud because they're not alleging that we've misrepresented anything again all of their evidence in the case is materials that we've made publicly available. In fact, I think that's a big part of why they're going after us is like, <laughs> simply because they're really lazy. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> like we, we, uh, the, you know, the, there there are, like I'm for generally free exchange of things. So I don't want to like point fingers at, at certain companies specifically. Um, but there are companies that are doing way worse things than what we're alleged to have done. And they simply try more to hide it. You know, whereas we said, here's the spreadsheet of everything that we've done. And then the SEC, you know, downloads that and says, this is the evidence we found that you're breaking the law. And it's like, well, like there, you know, there are companies that are doing, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of companies, probably thousands of companies uh, who have done what library has done, uh, but few are as transparent as we've been. And we think we are being punished for that um, for that transparency. And it's been such a, a cough gas scenario where, you know, we, um, they're, you know, they say, you know, go consult with lawyers and they'll tell you how to understand the law. Well, I've spent a million dollars consulting with lawyers. Like I've, I've had some very expensive memos crafted that I then follow and the SEC says, well, that's not correct. And so like we start giving the SEC memos and we're saying, all right, well, like here, you, know, you can, they say you can go to this other agency and if you write up rules to this agency, they'll tell you if it's okay. Uh, and then that agency, this other arm of the agency, sorry, it's all the SEC, um, um, they say, uh, oh, well, we can't tell you how to do it because you're currently under investigation. And then you go to the investigation branch and they say, well, w- while you're, you know, we, we can't, you have to go to this other group to get clearance. And then, you know, so the entire thing is designed that you can't get any actual answer. You know, we started writing our own rules. We're like, well, what if we do this? You know, they won't you know, would that be okay? You know, they won't comment. So we're not even asking for them. There there's the rules are so unclear. We're dealing with a 100 year old law that's being uh, applied to this technology that they were not conceived of, uh, that was not conceived of in any way. And um, the SEC is interpreting this very unclear law in an incredibly aggressive manner. Um, and it is weird, I think, that they're going after us. Um, you can see all, pretty much every crypto lawyer uh, uh, will tell you the same thing, that it's like, why are they going after library? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and I, you know, I do think it's possible that there's a sort of like regulatory capture angle at, at play here where, you know, the sec seems like, you know, you saw this with GameStop, you saw this with other things, you see Elon Musk getting into it with the sec. Like it doesn't seem that they're necessarily protecting people and they may just be, you know, protecting other, other powerful interests, you know, protecting wall street, protecting big tech.
1: Do you think crypto like poses such a challenge to like the established order that it 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 would provoke that kind of response? Yes, yes, yeah. I do. Uh,
0: I think I think like I think blockchain is the most empowering technology, um, for sort of people against the it, the entrenched sort of power sources in uh in a generation. Honestly, since the internet, I think the internet was uh, something that very much disrupted the establishment and the ability for. A, a smaller group. And I'm not alleging, I want to be clear. Like I'm not really alleging any sort of like specific conspiracies. I don't think that there's this small group of people that's like literally picking up the phone and saying, do this. I think that it's more that there's like this, this web of like sort of local incentives that people respond to that sort of perpetuates a status quo, because that that's how you advance up, you know, certain hierarchies or certain incentives prevented, presented by the existing system. And um, that that the, the sort of existing system is harmful in a lot of ways to people who want to be a little bit alternative, who want to think for themselves, who want to make decisions for themselves, who want to have more control over their lives. You know, these are frequently the people who are getting sort of trampled by the system, and I think that blockchain really reduces the ability—not just library, but all blockchain—reduces the ability uh, to have to exert as much control. Um, I mean, you could look at the financial, the controls over the financial system, in my opinion, have become one of the most illiberal aspects of society in America, you know, where all pay, you have a couple of payment companies and those payment companies regularly cease services for political reasons. You know, you've got two credit card companies and if they don't like you, you're effectively out of business. Um, and so, those became a major source of, of political control in America, you know, where it's something like, Oh, you're selling, you know, you're selling, uh, you know, firearms or you're selling, um, you know, marijuana paraphernalia or like anything that the establishment doesn't like, and you get shut down by the credit card companies and then you can't do business um, every, you know, the, the, the degree of scrutiny that that goes into, you know, the financial transactions that, that private individuals are making, you know, this is all enabled by the current financial system. And I think that blockchain really, Oh, also, of course, I mean, you've got, um, you know, the Federal Reserve, you know, printing an incredible amount of money, prices of everything going up, and, and people are looking for a place to put their money in the case of like something like like Bitcoin. And so I do think um, I mean, even Peter, Peter Thiel said the other day uh, that he thinks, uh, you know, Bitcoin is a threat to um, American financial hegemony. Um, so I think that absolutely. Yeah. Blockchain is a real deal and
1: it's very important for the future. Mm, I mean, like uh, uh, just this morning, like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and I think Dogecoin as well, all hit their all-time high. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not like these these. It doesn't seem that the major institutional investors even are being discouraged by this proposal to regulate crypto in this way, which kind of yeah. gives me some sort of hope. Yeah, I would like.
0: So I'm not. A, I I would encourage you only to buy the library tokens that you can use <laughs> it on the network. Not yeah. not. And no, that, I mean that's not a joke. I mean I think you know I will say I I, I think it's great that people are able to make money by kind of seeing this this future coming. I think it's great that people are rewarded for their ability to do that. I think that I'm much more into blockchain and cryptocurrency because of the empowerment angle than the you know let's than the like. Let's get get rich angle, um, because I don't think you know, there is that sort of like Warren Buffett critique of cryptocurrency that, you know, it's not actually, um, you know, generating anything. Cryptocurrency is not an equity in the traditional sense where, you know, with an equity, you're entitled to some some portion of return from from that company's productive activity. Like the cryptocurrency itself is not is not doing anything. Um, you know, I'm excited about cryptocurrencies much more because of what it lets us build. It lets us build technologies like library with different properties. It lets us take back financial control um, from from these you know, small number of banks and and, uh, you know, from the government. And so I, I'm excited about it for those reasons. Hey, if I get rich off of it, great, you know. Um, but I think I'm much more excited about the, the sort of implications of some of the, the
1: properties than than just like, you know, 10xing. Or whatever. Mm. So, like you've you mentioned a few times, like you're encouraging people to want to buy the, the tokens. Like, why why should they do that? Like, what are the what do they do on on your platform for for people so you, who aren't the aware? To-
0: the you the tokens let you create that identity. They let you publish. So you use a small amount of the token to create an identity. You use a small amount of the token when you publish, and then you can also use the token to um, to pay for content, to tip uh, creators that you like. And there's also this system, this sort of like uh, trust and boosting system um, where um, people can sort of allocate their tokens to say that this content is really good or I really like this. And that can help that content perform um, better or be more discoverable uh, in the network.
1: Mm. So it's like putting the monetization of YouTube back in the hands of the people who, who can sort of dish it out instead of like the advertisers that they want to use.
0: Yes, very much. That's very much what um, what what we're doing, um, and that's a you know, that's a big part of why people come on as well. You know, YouTube is taking fifty percent of every dollar that's made on the platform. They're taking a huge cut of the money, and so the idea to have a system where um, you can earn way higher percentage and the money settles immediately you know, that's very appealing to people. It's not just
1: about the censorship. So uh, uh, do you think YouTube are aware that there are, you know, people coming up like yourselves attempting to, to replace them as like the go-to video platform? Uh, I think they're, I can tell you uh, they're absolutely uh, aware of
0: us. I have <laughs> emails indicating as such. And I think at this point, it's pretty clear that we're the biggest threat to YouTube. Uh, I think Google knows that that's true. And I think they've begun acting in a way. That that's true, and but I don't know what they do to fix it because it's not this. You know, sometimes you have this upstart competitor, and the sort of established competitor has the ability to just be like, "Oh, we'll just do what the upstarts do You know, they figured out a better way to do it. We'll just mm-hmm. copy it. In our case, the thing that we're doing that's different is fundamentally surrendering the amount of control that these companies traditionally have, and I'm I don't think it's really possible for them to. Uh, copy that. I also don't see, in terms of Google's culture, the the culture being the same that it was ten years ago. You know, and I think that that was clear uh, with things like the Demore firing and other things, where you know you you do you the safe space that you want to have when you're creating cutting edge technology is a safe space for people to have weird and different ideas, for people to be okay disagreeing. Mm-hmm. If you are enforcing some kind of like hegemony of thought where this only these narrow things are allowed or like only people of one political persuasion are getting hired. I don't, I don't think that you're going to create um, extremely like creative cutting edge type technological solutions. And I think it's clear that YouTube in particular has probably become the most political part of Google, you know, where they're censoring, you know um, they're censoring, you know, presidents and governors, and Senate testimony, and all kinds of things in this way that's very, very political. And I think that that's driven not just by the CEO, but basically by the fact that their staff is incredibly political at this point. And I just don't see that being uh, ever being a product that's liked by all people. Um, it's going to be a product that's liked by you know maybe a
1: third of the country okay mm, yeah that that, beca- that that I guess that becomes the issue but one of the things that I was like thinking about last night while I was while I was thinking about how how people could attempt to to yeah subsume Facebook or replace Facebook and and I one of, or not Facebook sorry YouTube um and one of the things that I was thinking about was the fact that it was maybe this isn't the case anymore but the 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 thing that had been explained to me was that YouTube, lost money permanently essentially and that that google the only the reason that it was able to become what it was is is as you kind of touched on earlier that that it was loss making and they've attempted to corner the market and google was basically able to prop it up in order for them to grow to the size they are and why is your model more viable than youtube's in that like you don't you don't need a google to prop you up while you, Do you you, you get what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, well, one, I'll say that Google has, or YouTube hasn't been losing money for years. um, That was true at one point. One aspect is simply that the costs of delivery and all this stuff have come down a tremendous amount, but probably an even bigger aspect is the blockchain and the peer-to-peer aspect of what we're building. So the fact that the the peer-to-peer aspect um, reduces infrastructure costs and the blockchain aspect really creates a very empowered community. You know, we have a Discord chat with forty thousand people in it. So much of the work that you know, there there are fifteen people who were actually employed by the company. There are two hundred people who contributed code in the last year. There are hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, who have made you know a meme and attempted to spread the message. And so it's something where like it's created something that's almost more of a movement and not just. You know a company and i think that that's a big part of while uh, of why
1: we'll succeed mm. one of the things that made youtube great was the kind of was the independent nature of the creators and it has really become like more corporatized again as as you mentioned earlier when i search videos for stuff like there's some protests going on in the uk at the moment about uh, a policing bill and there's a couple of things kicking off in in my home city in Belfast, just with, um, things about Brexit sort of vaguely and, and the borders. And yeah, when I, I I tried to, I tried to like search for, for footage of people like on the street, um, to try and get like an idea of, of what's going on. And if I search for like the, the footage, it just comes up with all of these institutional, like it's, it's our, our major TV stations, our major like newspapers or media outlets. And that, that's all you find. Yeah, there's been this really uh,
0: uncomfortable fusion, in my opinion, between big tech and government that I think should concern a lot of people that YouTube has explicitly said multiple times. Susan just said this to the World Economic Forum just the other day uh, about how they're boosting authoritative sources and pushing down the the kind of independent results exactly like you're uh, talking about. Anyone who goes on to the odyssey.com homepage and or just clicks around in the categories will probably see creators that they used to know, and they're like, "Oh, what happened to him? I stopped seeing his videos." And it's because you know YouTube decided that it didn't want to show them anymore. Mm-hmm. You, there are YouTube has literally numerical scores that are manually assigned to channels. That's basically like boost this channel in the results or lower this channel in the results. And those are scores are assigned by human beings, so um, they absolutely had their thumb uh, on the scales. I'll give uh, a particularly egregious example. Have you come across uh, the Ford Fisher
1: case? Oh, oh, yeah. Ford Fisher. Was he the guy who had footage from inside the Capitol on January yes. 6th? Mm. Yeah. This case is
0: unreal. So Ford Fisher went to uh, the, the, the Capitol riots on January 6th and filmed what was happening. Ford provides like no commentary you know, he's, he's describing what's happening. He's like, he, he tries to be as politically neutral as a reporter can be. He's like, just the facts like this is what's happening. This man is now, you know, beating on this window. You know, it's like, mm. very. it's you remember when journal- factual. Yeah. You remember when that yeah. was yeah. journalism? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you, it's, it, it is like he, he would, you know, there's you can debate around the edges of like, what is journalism? Like there's no debate that what Ford is doing is, is journalism. Mm. And, um, YouTube uh, has removed Ford's footage. YouTube's policy is this footage cannot be restored unless you contextualize it. Okay. So in other words, the live footage of these events cannot be allowed to stand for itself. The only way you're allowed to upload it is if you spin it. You're not allowed to not spin it. And that's like absolutely un- absolutely unreal. This footage was used in the Trump in impeachment hearings, by the way, so it's of like historical and political significance. Mm. The people be able to access it. It was used by New York Times and CNN, and so. But YouTube is saying the video itself is not allowed up, and this has uh, been going on for months. So this isn't like, oh, they made a mistake or the algorithms made a mistake. Like YouTube has been very explicit in this case that the video is just not going to be allowed up. And, and uh, I mean, they, again, they did it again with the DeSantis video just the other day where there's this video of Ron Desantis. I mean, this one's like a little bit more political, but it's, it's a governor of Florida who is having a private conversation with someone. And, you know, they're saying you're not allowed. And it's like, Dude, like, I don't, I love it for my company's sake, but I honestly don't get it from a business perspective. It's like, you can disagree with this person. You can think that he's wrong. I'm not saying I agree with him, but it's like, clearly he's like getting elected in the state of Florida. Like a lot of people agree with him to say that he's not allowed to use your platform, it just seems like terrible from a business perspective to be alienating, you know, half your audience or more than half your audience. Because I've got to imagine, even if you think DeSantis is wrong, there's a lot of people out there who should be uncomfortable with a tech company,
1: you know, censoring elected officials. Mm. Sometimes I wonder about this because I'm thinking that Google Google is a they're like, a, I don't know how much they're worth, tens of billions of dollars at least. Um, And they, they've clearly become incredibly successful in a lot of the avenues down which they've gone. And yet they seem to be displaying like zero business acumen here. I, like, <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. like they, they, no, they, it's yeah. They I agree with you on I, removing I, like huge creators. Like, like they seem intent on driving out like Steven Crowder. He's like 5.3 million viewers. Tim Pool is like close to a million. Like They've already driven out Joe Rogan, although he just says it was because Spotify offered him a better deal. But I think he was looking for somewhere to jump to. Like they, yeah. they seem to be making these really poor decisions. Like what's going but on? Sp- but S- Spotify
0: removed all the Rogan videos too. Yeah, more than and it and it wasn't like there's a thing like oh they're coming back like no there's thirty episodes missing right now. I think it's up to forty two. Okay, there you go. You got the current number, so you're better at my job than I am. (laughs) The uh, the it's it's I I seriously like it, it it does um you know sometimes I feel like. I'm in like a pod people movie where I'm like, how does it, how does no one else see me? like what's going on here? Like, how's this not <laughs> disturbing to more people? And I, I mean, I think the answer is it is disturbing to a lot of people. It's difficult for me to to understand exactly why they're doing it. Cause I want to have the same bias that you do. I don't think like, I don't think they're dumb. Like, and I don't think that, you know, I I do think that Google is like generally a well-run company that's made billions of dollars. Like, so to me, the two most likely scenarios are that, like, one is that this is profit maximizing. Um, there is in, in America, there has been this like large company uh, and establishment fusion where like I do, it, it is plausible to me that the government is putting some sort of pressure on them to take certain actions or not even the government, again, in this grand conspiracy sense, but like local officials who have their own biases. You know, so they do feel that maybe that maybe they do feel that this is profit maximizing. Um, like I, you know, like, I, like, uh, or the other, the other possibility is that the CEOs don't want to do this. The executives don't necessarily want to do this. But if ninety percent of your employees want something, like you can't necessarily um, dictate otherwise. Um, you know, so if if the if the sort of if the if the ma- the sort of um, general populace at these companies wants them to take it. It may be that they feel that it's more pragmatic to sort of do what their employees want um, because otherwise they risk, you know, sort of a revolt among the people
1: working there. Mm -hmm. I think that's one possible scenario. Do you get a sense of the reasons that people are deciding to leave YouTube um, to, to, to move to Odyssey, either as like a transitional sort of move or just altogether just forget YouTube? Like, do you get a sense of, of like what the the main reasons for people leaving are? Is it that you they feel your you know platform is better? Do they like the way the the tokens work? Is it the censorship that's driving people to away from YouTube? Like do do you have an understanding
0: yeah, of that? I, I'll talk about some of them. It's a mix. There's a variety. I will say before I get into some of the reasons that we have this really great tool on Odyssey where it will copy your entire YouTube channel over. Both historically and it will copy it on an ongoing basis and it's literally you check one box it is so easy to do and so if you are a youtube creator and and you're hearing this interview and you're curious about what we're doing there's a way to get started that's like very little effort Uh, and so it's sort of a heads you win tails nothing happens scenario which is a good kind of bet to look for in your life generally Um, And I will say that's part of why people come on. So part of it is, well, people are curious and we've made it really easy. It's really easy to sign up and get started. It's really easy to try it. Um, People come on because you can earn a little bit of cryptocurrency just for uh, using the um, website, just for sort of checking it out. And so people like that. People like the idea of having more control. Even if you're not being censored, it's like, you know, do you want, is you're having a conversation with your friends. you know do you want some like hall monitor there you know standing over you there's this sort of claustrophobic kind of feeling i think that a lot of people feel using these uh, services and so there's people who want who who want to escape there's absolutely people who come on for reasons of censorship there's people who come on because they like just the idea of the the tech you know the fact that everything is open source the fact that people have more control you know that's not i mean that's really um, y- all, all, no, I don't want to make it a, a political thing. I mean, that's something that everyone feels, um, this, the fact that like we don't want there to be these like massive power differentials, right? Um, and so there have become these very large power differentials between us as users and what the tech companies can do. And even if you're not directly impacted by that, I think people feel that there's reasons of um, privacy you know people don't like being spied on and having everything tracked and 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 um all of this and people also just feel like exploited um you know that they're they they build up this whole thing they build up the, you know they build up all of their following and and then um, they get taken advantage of and so there's there's a really long list of reasons that people are are coming over
1: mm. like one of the one of the things i was looking at um while I was writing my book, um, which I should plug, Brexit: The Establishment Civil War, um, folks, link in the st- description below, all about how social media is destroying everything. It's lots of fun, um, yeah. But it of, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, one of the things that I I was kind of looking at when when I was researching it was the the way that our our social media and the way the internet kind of evolved as uh, a way from sort of for like a, a pay-to-play model and towards like an advertising model. Do you see this like way that you're using the tokens um, as a way in which we can move away from that kind of ad-based personal data hoovering up style of, of social media that, that that became dominant over the past 10 years? Uh, move, move away, but not eliminate. The truth
0: is that and this is something our, our, our thought process is always basically to give people choices, right? And so when you watch an ad on YouTube, say you have to watch that 30 second ad before you get to see the video, that may make something like anywhere from like half a penny to two cents, you know, something like that is effectively, you know, it's usually quoted in CPM, but I like to actually think of it as on an, an individual basis that's what that ad is actually uh, worth. Hmm. And so I think that um, users should ultimately have choices. You know, it shouldn't have to be that you pay $10 a month and you can only get a monthly package, you know, to not see ads. If, if, you know, if the cost of that ad, if the creator wants to make two cents a view, you know, give the user a choice. Hey, do you want to watch enough ads that the creator makes two cents? Or do you want to click this button? and just give the creator two cents. Hmm. And, and so I think the answer is to give choices. Um, I have researched this and I think that uh, a lot of people will still just prefer to watch the ads. Um, So I don't think that advertising will go away, but I think that the answer is to give people choices. And for people who do care about their information, who do, who also are just people who value their time. Like I, whenever I do the math, I'm like, my time's worth a lot more than, you know, two cents for 30 to watch this 30 second ad. So I think the answer is to give people choice. And choice is generally just a fundamental principle uh, at at our company. We don't see it as our job to be that authority figure. We see it as our job to enable um, the choices of of the users and the publishers. Mm. Do you have any content moderation policies? We do. We have, so uh, this is where it's important to differentiate between the library network and odyssey.com. So odyssey.com is intended to be something that can support advertisements. It's intended to be something that can be in the app stores and all of these things. Uh, and it's intended to be something that people would be happy with the policies of. And most people don't want truly anything ghost. That's not what most people want. And so Odyssey is designed to serve that. The policies are, and they're, they're public, um, they are, I think, much better than YouTube's where you're, you're not going to have all this content getting deleted that there really shouldn't be, Uh, but we are going to delete, you know, someone encouraging violence or, or, or these kinds of things, or really, sorry, not delete filter Um, because Odyssey is an app on top of the library network. So it won't show up in results and and you're not going to see that it's there, Um, but we don't control the library network itself. That's a decentralized network that we don't own or control. And so ultimately how people choose to use it in the decentralized clients will be up to, uh, will be up to that, um, how they want to use it. Mm. Similar, that, and again, that's no different than email or other things, you know, if, if you want to run, there's no censorship layer for the email network. You know, There's no fundamental censorship layer for um, the World Wide Web. So library is not really that different in that regard.
1: Mm. One of the, the things that characterized the kind of early internet, at least, was the fact it was so decentralized. And it feels to me, at least anyway, that the, the a lot of the issues that we've seen with social media have come as a result of the centralization of the internet into, you know, uh, even even me who, who considers himself to like look at a lot of stuff. Like I would say a good 50% of my browsing begins with YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, odyssey now since i'm since i'm on there i'm trying to watch the videos there instead because you know it's, it feels better i feel i feel like i'm not giving my money to a big faceless corporation <laughs> yeah <laughs> As uh, yeah whether that's like you know actually helping but you know every little every little bit is is good but do you see that 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 sort of reversing that trend of centralization over the next five to ten years do you think we've seen like peak monopoly for people like google and facebook and
0: Yes. Well, let me first say that it really does help. All right. We got to 20 million users in a month with no advertising budget. Whoa. And that's because people like what we've built and people tell their friends to use it or they do podcasts and they talk about it, you know. And so, like, <laughs> this is entirely a word of mouth type uh, success. And so, Yes, every single person, you know, when you make that choice to switch, you are absolutely helping. So I do really want to emphasize that. Uh, and, but yes, I do think these kinds of blockchain-based decentralized apps um, are uh, um, the future in a lot of ways. The, they, they're sometimes called Web3 apps. So the idea being that like Web1 was the sort of static but decentralized web. Uh, Web2 was the centralized but dynamic web. Um, and and so there was a lot to like about web two, like th- what they can do with the algorithms and the interoperability and the standardized experience and all this stuff. There is a lot of good. There's a reason that the web two sites are so popular and web three is kind of saying, let's get the best of both. Let's get the user experience and the algorithms and the interoperability of web two, but let's have the decentralization and uh, the, the personal control and the lack of the, um, the lack of uh, power differentials of web one. And that's what web three is really trying to do is get the best of both. And library is, I think the most used web three app in the world, actually. Really? That's cool.
1: Well, congratulations.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like, it's tough to get the stats, but I don't know of any, you know, web three uh, or D app type thing, decentralized app that's putting up the user numbers that we're putting up.
1: Mm. I mean, I'd say there's, there's, well, yeah, I don't think there is. Um, I mean, yeah, you could, I don't know if you consider Reddit web three, given this sort of vaguely decentralized. No, but not Red- really. Reddit's,
0: Reddit's web two. I mean, they, they have been, I mean, I think I, I Reddit would used to be one of my favorite sites a decade ago. Um, and I think they've fallen quite a bit. I mean, if you look at the attitude that sort of like Aaron Schwartz had towards, you know, personal choice and freedom of information, and now, you know Reddit. There's a lot of things that you can't question or talk about on on Reddit, or you're going to get banned. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I think part of the problem is that it's people that do the, the a lot of the regulating on Reddit, and you know, people are, are, are you know wonderful, magical, brilliant, awful people. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think actually, that is just a big part of it.
0: Is that there's people have to have it to be to say I want to be a moderator. You know, like I want to. I want to scrub things from the internet. You, you have to have a certain kind of mindset in the first place. And I'm not saying that moderation isn't necessary. Moderation makes our um, user experience better in a lot of regards. But I think there's been this selection effect for certain types of people at the, to work at these companies. And that sort of explains why they're making some of these consistent choices that can tend to consistently be biased in the same directions.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, anytime I see people just demanding people be removed or, you know, things being scrubbed from comments deleted, posts deleted, videos deleted, I'm always like there's this small thing in the back of my head that goes, you do realize this is like the modern book burning like the yeah. and 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 that might sound like hyperbolic and a little bit like I don't know over the top, but that's pretty much what it is. And like the people burning the books are never the good guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean I'm I'm
0: not I don't want to be like I'm really not a conspiracy type person, and I don't want to sound too shrill, but I think that what's been going on has been really disturbing. You know, we've we've had in the U.S. we've had the New York Times, you know, saying that people shouldn't be allowed to have unfettered communications that. Podcast and podcasts and Google Reader are dangerous technologies because they're not moderated, mm-hmm. and it, there's been this like fusion between large U.S. companies, the the uh, the main the quote mainstream or corporate press, and certain aspects of the government, and it's to me extremely disturbing disturbing it feels mm. dystopian and it feels like something that we should all be alarmed by mm. like journalists should not be calling for censorship that is weird
1: but mm. yeah that, that I, I spoke to to uh, this woman who's the editor of like a a small uh, growing independent like news site who produced their own like monthly magazine. They're doing some really cool investigative work. And I was like, well, f- how do you feel about like the censorship that's going on, the sort of slow creep of people being removed or things that you're not allowed to say being, you know, expanded. And she was like, she didn't have any comment on it. And she was just like, yeah, we need to remove dangerous misinformation. That was her, like her only real response. And I was like, surely you should, you should be more concerned about this. Like you're the person they're going to come after. Yeah yeah, yeah. I,
0: I and that's that's what's been so strange to me uh, is is that it's been the people that you would think would typically
1: be the leading voices against it have mm. now become cheerleaders for it mm. yeah yeah it's concerning i mean like the the, the thing that i always try and like keep in my mind is that it's I'm tr- constantly trying to figure out how much of it is, is like a sinister, like a plan or, or yeah. a, and then how much of it is, is, is like arrogant, wealthy people who go around with the idea that they know what's better for your life than you do. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably a part of it as well. Uh, yeah. I, a lot of people do disagree
0: with me and think that it is a more sinister plan. And they say like, Jeremy, you're, you know, you're naive or whatever. Um, I, I, I actually tend to be more, I think, with you and that I, I don't think that much of it is like this truly sinister plan. I think that it's very easy for human beings to like, you know, being being inconsistent, depending on whether, you know, most <laughs> most human beings aren't actually that principle. Like we have a, <laughs> we have a principle when the principle benefits the outcome that we want. And then the principle disappears when it's, it's not something that we want. I can't do it off of my head, but there's like that Dune quote, do you know, that Dune quote, it's like, uh, I ask for freedom when it's accordance with your principles. And I like deny it to you because it's a co- when it's in accordance with mine or something like this, it's this idea being that, you know, the principles flip. It's mm-hmm. a great quote. I wish I could, I should, I should get it correct. Um, it's definitely not, I butchered it, but it's, <laughs> it's very true that we flip um, you know, we, In terms of whether we have these quote principles. And so I think what we're seeing is that a lot of these people who, you know, cared about um, you know, freedom of the press or freedom of information or these things, they really were doing it not because they believed in them in some sort of absolute principle, but they were saying, crying for them because they were the underdog. And now that they're the overdog, they have abandoned their principles.
1: Mm. Yeah. I guess that often happens. Uh, so do you want to like two, two more quick sort of easy questions for you before we finish up here? What are like three creators that you have either discovered or rediscovered as, as a result of, of Odyssey? Uh,
0: so, um, I, I like, uh, I really like this creator, uh, J reg. Uh, he has these really, uh, uh, funny, uh, uh, political, uh, videos. Um, I like, uh, this creator, uh, just thinking out loud, uh, and she's very, uh, thoughtful, uh, and makes these, uh, really interesting, uh, videos. And then there's another creator, uh, uh, named Emmy Hucker, uh, who has become, I think she's bigger on, on Odyssey now than on, on library. And she also just makes these, uh, these really funny videos that give me insights into a, a
1: different part of the world. Okay. That's cool. I will, I will check those out and stick them in the description for anyone, um, yeah. Listening. So uh, then do you want to just tell people how they can find library, um, what they can do to to help you guys out and what they can do to, you know, fight back against yeah, the, the, n- the SEC? The,
0: well, the number one thing to do is just to use it. Like, uh, so go to odyssey.com, create an account, create a channel, follow, uh, follow the gist, uh, follow the other creators that you uh, like. If uh, and, and that's the number one thing you can do is just to start using it. If you want to do more than that, uh, we do have a petition about our case with the SEC. We also have a whole website so you can learn more about it. It's at helplbrysavecrypto.com. If your audience is mostly in Europe, they're actually safe. This is much more about cryptocurrency in the U.S. uh, than the future of the technology or anything else. Um, But we do appreciate it if
1: people sign that uh, petition. Um, And those are really the two things to do. Fantastic. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Thanks. It was great to be on. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, follow me on Twitter, or sign up to our mailing list. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning-fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below don't forget my book is now out and available to order on amazon and on bookshop.org that's brexit the establishment civil war and most importantly thanks for listening we'll see you next time